Well, good morning. It's certainly a blessing to be here today and always great to see each of you in the worship and service of our awesome God this morning. We appreciate your presence here with us and want to welcome you to the service. And if you consider yourself a visitor, we want to welcome you as well and ask that you'd stick around after services. Let us introduce ourselves and get to know you and your family a little bit better. This morning will be the second message in a series about serving God where you're at. If you recall, we talked for a little while last time about the concept of using the situations life presents you with. Last time, the tribulations and trials that come our way to find a way to serve God and further the gospel of Christ. We discussed how the prophet Ezekiel found a way to serve God in the land of Babylon where he was captured. You see, Ezekiel was a priest. He had all these plans for his life, and those hopes, those dreams were taken away when he became a slave to Babylon. And yet, in spite of those broken plans, in spite of those crushed dreams, Ezekiel found a way to serve God where he was at. And what we're going to be discussing this morning is the idea of serving God in your youth. But why should we spend time discussing this idea? Why is serving God in your youth important? If you would, turn with me or turn your eyes to the board to Mark, the 10th chapter. We're going to talk about an encounter between Christ and his disciples as we begin this morning. Mark 10, starting in verse 13, says this. It says, And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. And said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. I want you to understand the power and importance of what's going on in this passage here. You see, Christ is he's probably in a public, public place. Shortly after, before speaking with multitudes of people and a group of people, bring children to Christ. The passage in Mark shows us then that the disciples are, for some reason, troubled by this. Whether they didn't believe the Son of God's best time was spent with children, or whether they believed children were a nuisance, whatever the context is, the Mark isn't really indicative of the disciples' motives, but what we can understand and grasp is that for whatever reason, the disciples didn't want the children near Christ. Of course, in 14 and 15, we see the true heart of Jesus Christ. It says in 14, Christ was displeased. And folks, that's probably not a real good thing to have happen. Displeasing Christ. And what we see is that Jesus tells the children to come unto him. What a powerful story we see with Christ. A powerful message. We often sing hymns based on this very passage, Jesus loves the little children, right? But what we need to understand this morning is that youth matter. And let me say this, young people in the audience this morning, you matter. You are essential to the church. You are essential to the body of Christians here at La Prada Drive, and you are a vital member in the kingdom of God. Unfortunately, we have a society and religious community today that downplays the importance of children in the kingdom of God. They downplay the vitality of youth and the development and structure and function of the church. They take kids and decide that kids should be neither seen nor heard. They pull them out of the worship service, apart from the body of believers, and set them in a classroom apart from the worship. 
and instead of worshiping God, they're bombarded with entertainment so the parents can focus on worship. Society today says children don't belong in the worship assembly. Children are loud. They're obnoxious. They distract, right? The youth and young boys and ladies don't have a role in the kingdom of God, and there's no reason to include them in worship because they're simply youth. And I want you to know today that if that is your belief, if you believe children are a hindrance to the assembly, if you believe they don't have a role or play less of a role than you do in the kingdom of God, you have far more to learn and far more to understand about the kingdom of God than any of the youth here today. Because the apostles conveyed a similar attitude and Jesus corrected him, didn't they? Recognize this morning that you youth, you young people here, are a blessing to the church. Recognize they are vital and important part of the kingdom of God. When you hear those cries, when you hear the whispering of kids, when they become what the world would call distracting, recognize that's not a hindrance to worship, but rather evidence to the furtherance of the church and the growth of the kingdom of God. And to the kids here this morning, I want to make this very clear as we begin. And I believe wholeheartedly I'm speaking for the church as a whole when I say this. You matter. You are important. You are vital to this church. And we cannot effectively function as a body of Christ without each and every one of you. And we love each and every one of you. The second thing I want you to understand before we get started encompasses a couple ideas in one theme verse. In 1 Timothy 4 and 12, Paul says to his son in the faith, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Paul is sending Timothy, who is a young man, to establish these churches, to speak with influencing bodies of Jewish people, to share the word of God with people, and charges this young man to do the work of the gospel and lead those churches. Paul charges Timothy with two things here that are going to kind of guide our study for the morning. He says, let no man despise thy youth. In other words, don't let your young age be a hindrance in your service to God. And then reminds Timothy that even at his young age, he is still an example to believers. And to the youth here, I want you to understand that you are an example to others, whether you want to be or not. When you show up to church and your friends don't, you are an example. Likewise, when you decide the assembly is not important, guess what? Your friends saw that one too. And they're watching. Because regardless of age, you are still an example to others. So this morning, with these ideas in mind, let's take a few moments to discuss this concept of serving God in your youth. And the first and more, most important thing about this concept is that it starts with obeying your parents and obeying those who rule over you. And this is a very important thing we need to grasp as we begin this morning. If you would, turn your eyes to the screen, to the book of Ephesians in chapter 6. Paul says this to the church at Ephesus. He says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And the truth is, you may have just looked at that verse and said, Well, I knew that one already. I can just turn off my ears and I can take a nap while Ethan's talking. But I want you to know when it comes to serving God in your youth, and we're going to talk about four different things this morning, you could be doing every single one of these perfectly. You could be participating in worship, reading your Bible, whatever the case is, but if you aren't honoring your parents, obeying your parents, you are failing God and none of the other stuff we're going to 
look at this morning really even matters if you overlook this one. You see, obeying your parents is a commandment from God that needs careful thought and careful action. And this can be anything from listening to mom and dad while being asked to take out the trash, being home in a certain time, whatever it is, and everything in between. That's God's design for the family. This is God's design for your youth and childhood, that you obey your parents. And why is that? Why, did I, why do I need to obey my parents? Why is that such an important point? What's the point in honoring my parents? Because it is a commandment from God. And it's really that simple. I could stand here this morning and give you a million different reasons why obeying your parents is correct. What happens when you obey your parents? The good things that come when you listen to their advice. Maybe the bad things that come when you don't listen to their advice. But I would miss the point if I didn't simply say you obey your parents because God commanded you to do so. It is that simple. Now, when you're older, you will understand why that commandment was put into place. But right now, what you need to focus on is obeying your parents and that serving God in your youth starts with obeying your parents. But this morning, I want you to also know parents aren't the only ones you need to obey and honor. Paul says this in his letter to the Romans in chapter 13. He says, Let every soul be subject unto higher powers, for there is no power but of God the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Just for a brief moment, let's break this passage down. Paul says that every soul, that means each one of us is, is subject or in subjection or submission to higher powers. And then says there is one power and that power is of God. So what does that mean? Does that mean the only power that has authority in our life, the only one we're subject to is God? Well, certainly not. The last part of verse 1 says, the powers that be ordained of God. That word ordained there comes from the Greek word tasso, Strong's 5021. And that word literally means to appoint to one's own authority. For reference, Daniel 2 and 20, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. And he changeth the time and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. That phrase there, setteth up kings, when transcribed from ancient Hebrew into common Greek in reverse and linear, that phrase becomes the simple word appoint. The same Greek word tasso. You know what that means, brethren? Is that your God appoints chooses and puts into place and removes kings so when paul says to be subject under the higher power not only those that not only god but those ordained or appointed by god what paul is saying is that you are subject to the appointed offices god puts into place that's what that really means for adults and those not considering themselves to be youth this morning these higher powers might be the government state and local to the entire flock here, Hebrews 13 and 7 says we are subject to the overseers of those, this flock here as those who must give an account. In other words, we are subject or should submit to the elders of the congregation because that too is a power ordained of God. But what about the youth? What other powers, in a sense, should you be subject to? Your service to God and your subjection as a youth includes every single one of your teachers, your principals, uncles, aunts, whoever it is. 
You see, one of the major things we forget as youth, at least I did, is that serving God includes obeying those who rule over you. That's a commandment from God, to obey those who rule over you. Now, why is any of this important to the message this morning? Look back at Romans 13 and 2. It says, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Kids and youth, I want to make a very simple statement. If you have a notepad out, write this down if you don't get anything else from the message this morning. It's the simple phrase, when I disobey my parents, I am disobeying God. When I am disobeying my teachers or being rude to my teachers, I am disobeying and disappointing God. And that's the whole truth of the matter. When you disobey those who rule over you, you disobey God. And what does Paul say? In simple words, you shall receive damnation unto yourselves. That's a pretty harsh statement there, isn't it? I do, however, want you to understand that this scenario Paul gives assumes the position that the higher power you are in submission to is in submission to God as well. This is kind of a topic for another time, but it would be a failure if I didn't mention in Mark 12 and 17 where Jesus says, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. You see, as followers of God, we're to obey those higher powers as long as obeying those higher powers does not hinder you in your submission to God's commandments. And if it does hinder you, or it does cause a stumbling block in your service to God, you take a stand and you follow God rather than man. But like I said, that's a topic for another time. So in general this morning, talking about youth, you obey and you listen to those powers such as your principles and teachings. And to the parents here this morning, I hope and pray that you understand the importance of behavior, the importance of a child's subjection to higher authority because it is a commandment from God. And if you want to learn how to serve God in your youth, the fundamental basis has to start with obeying the commandment from God to obey your parents and honor your parents. The second thing that I want you to understand is that you can serve God by worshiping him and participating in the assembly. And what a blessing this is to grasp. Each and every one of us can serve and worship our Heavenly Father in the assembly of the saints gathered here. As we discussed earlier, the religious world today seeks to push children out of the worship service. They downplay the child's importance, but that really isn't God's design for worship. And it certainly wasn't his design for the church. In fact, we actually see quite the opposite time and time again in the Bible in multiple different areas. In Leviticus, the second chapter, in verse 2, we have an encounter between God and Moses. And God says to Moses, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord, am your God, am holy. Ye shall fear every man his mother and his father, and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. In 2 Chronicles, in verse 13, it says, And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Again, in the book of Joel, in chapter 2, starting in verse 15, we see, Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. I want you to notice a few things here. In the first passage in verse 2, God commands Moses to speak to all of Israel, and that would include the youth. In 2 Chronicles 20, we see all of Judah stood before the Lord, and the little ones and the children. 
And again, in Joel chapter 2, we see Israel being called to repentance. That's the context of the chapter here. And it says to gather the children, even those that are still breastfeeding. You ever wonder why the children had to be in, in the presence of all that? You think those nursing babies needed to be there to hear those commandments? We just had a new cousin, Miss Sadie, Tiffany and Terry's little girl. Do you think she would understand anything I'm saying this morning? The reason those children were called is because they were part of the covenant people that God had created. And God expected them to be present in worship and assembly and expected them to be there when the whole nation was called to repentance in the second chapter of Joel. The big takeaway from this that I want you to grasp is simply that God expects and desires for you to participate and to long to worship Him. You see, it was man's plan that children should be separated from the worship service, not God's. It was man's plan that children shouldn't be seen or heard in the church, not God's. It was God's plan for youth and children to be present in the assembly, to be active in the church, and it is God's plan that you serve and worship Him and the assembly each and every single time you're here. That's the charge I want to present to you this morning, youth. That you participate and take an active role in the worship service. When we're singing praises to God, God wants you to sing and worship Him as well. Grab a songbook in front of you, pull it out, learn to praise God. Listen and learn from those around you. Ask your parents how to read that book. Ask your parents how to read the music and know which part to sing. Please don't ask me. I'm not very good. But ask somebody who knows. Maybe Zane. But when these men get up here and teach from the Bible and out of God's Word, I encourage you to bring a notepad or a notebook. Record and take notes on exactly what the preacher's saying. Seek to understand and comprehend exactly what's being taught. Take an active role in the worship service. I'll tell you, there's no better feeling than standing up here and looking at young eyes, teenage faces, staring back at you and writing down every single word you say. Because that tells me they are engaged in the service and they have a fire and a zeal for the Word of God. Young men, I encourage you to begin learning to lead congregational singing. We have countless men here who are willing to work with you to help you learn to lead, to help you become involved in the service, and that's a great thing to be, desi be desired. In fact, in, in the 148th Psalm, the psalmist writes this in verse 12 and 13. He says, both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. I encourage you to become an active participant in the worship service of our Lord and Savior. And I promise you in doing that, you'll serve God in your youth. To the parents and grandparents, uncles and aunts here, this is all wonderful to be desired of your children. It's a great thing to teach your children to be active in the worship service. But if this is not a deliberate act in your own life, if worshiping God, being at the assembly on time, actively participating, not just rolling through the motions, but pouring your heart and soul out in your worship to your God is not an act and a habit in your life, don't get upset when your kids don't think it's important to worship either. I'll tell you, the first time I realized how important the worship service was to my parents, I was probably five or six years old, I don't know, just taking a wild guess here, but I was young. 
And I remember the whole service, I was sitting there coloring and drawing. I wasn't paying attention at all. I was talking to a friend. And I got in the car, and my parents turned around to Emma and I and said, from here on out, every single service, I expect you to tell me three things that you got from the sermon. That's it. Just three things that you took from the sermon. And news flashed this morning, I am not a parent. I am not speaking as a parent. I do not have authority to give parental advice, so I am going to speak as a this works. I remember that being the turning point in me learning the Word of God and participating in worship. Being held responsible for giving an account of what was taught here can develop youth into participating in the worship service. And what a blessing it would be here if each and every youth and child here today sang as loud as they could. If you could barely hear what I was saying because so many youth are turning their Bibles, taking notes down in what an awesome way to serve God in your youth. What an awesome way to glorify God. I hope you see the importance in participating and choose to become involved in the worship because in doing that, you'll serve Him. The third way I believe in, in which is an essential way to serve God at any point in your life but is vital in obtaining a foundation throughout your youth is to serve God by serving His people. You know, the truth is the Bible speaks pretty heavily on the concept of serving others. Being charitable and fast to act in times of need. Carrying one another's burdens like we talked about last time. And to be honest, I, I kind of struggled when researching this topic and preparing for the sermon exactly what passage or what, what verses would be best to show youth how to serve others. And I will tell you as a young person, just a few years ago, this concept was something very difficult to grasp. You don't have available finances as a youth to be benevolent to the poor. You may not have the strength to go move so-and-so. And it's hard to see exactly where your youth matches up and aligns with God's plan for serving one another. Where you fit in with that puzzle. And I decided it would be most appropriate to read you a verse that I feel we can all use a reminder of sometimes, a concept that Jesus teaches in the book of Mark in chapter 12. It's a very important lesson. In Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 41, if you look at the screen, it says, And Jesus sat over against the treasury, and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance. But she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all of her living. Oftentimes in life we're presented with situations in which you can help others or serve others. You might find yourself in circumstances in which someone is in need and you're presented a choice in front of you. Do you help that person? Do you carry that burden? Or do you just turn around and walk away? But as a youth, you kind of have a different dilemma, don't you? You know, is it, is it feasible for me to serve? Is it possible for me to serve this individual? I'm not wise enough. You know, there's been many of times in my youth I probably couldn't help someone who was struggling. I wasn't going to be the person that was strong in times of need because I was a youth. But I want you to get this morning that there are other ways to serve in the kingdom of God. 
You know, I remember the night my dad received a phone call that would change our lives. In 2012, I was sitting in my house. My parents jump up. They're flying out the door. My dad's crying on the way out. I'm told my nanny and grandpa would be there shortly. Just hang out here until they get here. Nanny and grandpa show up, and Emma and I are now on our way to Dallas, and we're told that our papa had just passed away. Both of us were in shock. Both of us crying all the way to the hospital. We end up going in there, seeing our parents and our Mimi in the waiting room. It was, it was a tough time. Not only for myself and Emma, but the Hanley family as a whole, and also to the church here at La Prada. I remember later the next day, or, or maybe the day after that, we were all at my Mimi's house just after dinner, and my dad and my Mimi were discussing funeral plans. And I began to kind of be upset. I was crying in the back bedroom at my Mimi's and my mom walks in and tells me that Tyson from church is here to see me. He walks in and I'll never forget the words that he said. He didn't have some elaborate response telling me he's in a better place. He didn't have some speech that he had been preparing since he got the news. He walked in, sat next to me, put his arm on me, looked at me and said, Ethan, you're my brother and I love you. And from that moment on, we would go on to become best friends. And in a few months, we'll be groomsmen in each other's weddings. But I tell you that to make a specific point. Tyson didn't have the money to buy our family a huge meal. Tyson didn't have the wisdom to formulate words that would make my Mimi or my dad feel any better about their husband or father's passing. Tyson didn't even have a car to get to me. But what he did have even at age 11, was the heart of a Christian and the heart of a servant. Tyson used the unique situation he found himself in. He was an 11-year-old boy. He wasn't going to serve in some great way, but he gave every single thing he had. Everything he could muster, he took away, at least for a few hours, some of the grief and sadness a young 12-year-old kid that had just lost his grandfather was dealing with. He used his youth and he found a way to serve and minister to others, that person being me. And if you think I'm the only one that was impacted, ask my mom, ask my dad. I got the story a little mixed up. You know who told me what the story actually was? My mom. She remembered it better than I did. As a youth, you may not have all the money that you need to serve others. You may not have the words to deal with with grieving people, with grieving widows who have just lost a husband. But what you do have, what you should strive to have, is a heart that serves God. And just like the woman in the story, in your youth, your service to God's people, even in all your mind, if you think it's just two pennies in comparison to the thousands of dollars other people are giving, can be so much more than anyone else. And it really doesn't take much effort or time out of your day. In fact, you're presented with opportunities day in and day out, especially here at church. Take time when you see someone walking to the door to go grab that door for them. When you're up here on fourth Sunday or birthdays, offer to help out getting the plates of food for the elderly. Instead of hanging outside or running around, take time to sit by someone new, talk to them, because it might make all the difference in the world. Young ladies, when lunch or dinner is over, walk in there to the kitchen. I promise you, you find my Mimi, you'll have a task in five seconds. Young men, 
Go ask my Mimi again. She'll have you take out trash. Whatever the case is, be a servant to God's people. And parents, not to slam you down, but like we talked about earlier, this desire to serve God's people has to be present in your life for it to have an impact in your child's. I challenge you to look around downstairs after a meal sometime, not in a judgmental way, but in an observational way. I think you'll pick up on a few things. You know what I see when I look around after a meal? I see young ladies down there scrubbing down dishes, picking up trash, asking people if they're done eating. I see other young women scrubbing down the countertops. I see young boys carrying out trash bags. That's what I see. And you know what observation you'll also find yourself making this situation? Is the same job that that young lady's doing, her mother has been doing for 30 years to this very day. Oftentimes standing right beside them when you're watching. It's that their father has taken out a numerous amounts of trash bag and he's mopped that floor hundreds of times and oftentimes is leading that son in it to this very day. Youth and children can't learn these things by accident. There's not a verse that says scrub down the oven after every meal. They have to learn these things by watching your example. And what you need to grasp this morning is that your example is going to stick no matter what that example is. If you find yourself sitting around watching others serve, if you find yourself passing on opportunities to serve God's people, don't be shocked when your child has no desire to serve either. One of the greatest ways you can serve God in your youth at this church and in the kingdom of God is by serving his people. And I pray that you can find the benefit in that. The final thing that I want for us to discuss this morning with the idea of serving God in your youth is the necessity of growing in the word of God. We read earlier, Paul urged Timothy to be an example to the believers in a few different things. And one of those things that he was to be an example in was the word. You know, the Bible can be a very intimidating book to read. An even more difficult book to understand and comprehend, especially in your youth. But that does not speak to its unimportance, but rather conveys its necessity. And oftentimes we, we may speak to others who have tons of Bible or scriptural knowledge. It can be kind of daunting, maybe a little bit discouraging, right? But what I do want you to understand is these men and women here who have a profound knowledge of the Scriptures, that didn't come by accident. It came with deliberate, focused, repetitive study of God's Word. Learning foundation before moving to complex ideas and topics. I'm reminded of a passage I often refer to when somebody becomes frustrated with understanding the Word of God. It's in the book of Isaiah in chapter 28. Isaiah says, but the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. You know what Isaiah is saying there, rather what he's going to do, is that he presented the word of God precept upon precept. That word precept is similar to the word concept. So when you see the word precept, think concept. That's how Isaiah presented the word of God. In other words, Isaiah presented it in all of its simplicity in plain language so the hearers could understand and comprehend. It says it was unto them line upon line. You know what that means? They learned fundamentals before they learned complex ideas. Think about your schooling for a moment. You know, I could teach you how to recognize a prepositional phrase. Get Zola to teach you how to recognize a prepositional phrase, right? 
But if you don't know how to read or what the different letters are, it's probably not going to make a whole lot of sense, is it? In math, you learn how to count, you learn how to add, you learn how to multiply before you go into theorems and proofs and for some reason begin replacing numbers with letters. This isn't a foreign concept, or at least it shouldn't be. You have to learn fundamentals, base concepts, precept upon precept before you can move into complex ideas. So when studying God's Word, I encourage you to keep this in the back of your mind. This is not a competition between you and other people. This is a way to serve God, study to show yourself approved, and grow closer to God. Try not to become discouraged or overwhelmed, but learn the Word of God line upon line. Just a few minutes at night, here a little and there a little. Build upon the things that you've learned. I promise you, Tim and Dad and Jeff McFadden and Anthony and all those guys that we consider to have tons of Bible knowledge, at some point we're exactly where you are today. So have a drive to study and learn the Word of God. Have a passion to read the Bible. And the second thing I urge you to do on this concept is ask the question, why? Ask the question, why? When you hear me say something up here and you don't understand it or whoever's preaching, doesn't have to be me, ask your parents after the service, what did that mean? When you read something out of the Scriptures that confuse you, good for you. That's a great thing. Ask your parents what it means. Ask them to explain it to you. One of the greatest things you can do when studying the Bible and learning the Word of God is to ask the question, why? Don't just skip over something you don't understand. Don't just push it to the back of your mind and say, I'm not wise enough, I'm too young to understand this. Take it as an opportunity to learn. Now, parents, I want you to understand what I just told your young people. I just told them to ask the question, why? And I'm not saying you have to have the answer. I'm not saying you have to give the best explanation anyone's ever heard or your teenager is not going to grasp it. But what I am asking you to do, what I'm pleading with you to do, is to be willing to try. Be willing to communicate. Be willing to teach. You know, I remember when I was young, probably seven or eight years old, I was sitting in a worship service right next to my mom. Someone had given a sermon on the events leading up to the crucifixion of Christ and had spent a great deal of time discussing Pilate. And of course, he reads the passage about how Pilate washes his hands of the situation. And of course, as a young boy, I'm thinking, you know, what in the world? Did that just absolve him of everything he did with Christ? What does that mean? What does it mean he washed his hands of the situation? I'm invested at this point. Was Pilate a good guy? Was everything he did, was it not wrong because he just washed his hands of the situation? So I grab myself a note card. I write down on the note card, was Pilate a good guy? And I hand it straight to my mom. And parents, I want you to take three seconds and formulate a good answer to that question. I can tell you if you're still stuck, most of us still are. Like what in the world, right? Does that excuse him? It's a great question to ask, a very complex question if you think about it. And I want you to know in the car ride home, I had an entire afternoon discussing Pilate and how he washed his hands with my mom and dad. But I also want you to know the truth. I don't have the slightest clue what my dad said to me that day. I couldn't tell you one word that my mom said. 
I can't even tell you what my dad's stance is on that question today. But I can tell you I learned a far greater lesson that day than I could have learned listening to a sermon about Pilate. I learned that when I have a question, when I ask the question why, my parents are the ones who will take the time to answer that question. And they are who I could go to to find understanding. To the young people here, I'm not saying by age 13, 14, 15, whatever the case is, you have to be able to explain who the Melchizedekian priesthood is. But you should spend time figuring out who Christ is, what he did for you, and what a beautiful way to serve God. Spend time in his words. Serve God in your youth. This morning we've discussed a few points about serving God in your youth. We talked about obeying parents and those, who, those higher powers in your life. We talked about participation in the worship service. We talked about being willing to serve God by serving His people. And close with the idea of serving God in your youth by growing in His Word. But I want to leave you with a statement made by a man that made a lot of mistakes later on in his life. That sought for happiness in places other than God's work. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes verse 12, or Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1, he says, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. And this same man concludes his whole book with saying, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. I want you to leave here this morning knowing that as a youth, Serving God right now can set you up for a lifetime of joy. A life that can overcome tragedy. A life that doesn't blink when trials come our way. A life that has purpose and a life that has meaning. A life with a pretty sweet deal at the end. A home in heaven with your Creator. Who sent His only Son to be beaten, to be mocked, to be spat upon and crucified having your sins driven into his hands, having every mistake you've made whipped across his back, not because of anything you did to deserve it, because Christ looked at you 2,000 years ago before you were even born and decided that you were worth it. And that same loving Savior who took your sins to the cross extends his loving hand this morning, offering a free gift of salvation, and all you have to do is open the box. If we can assist you in any way, please come forward as we stand and as we sing.